Journey Church. How are you guys doing uh, this morning? Hey, what an incredible way to uh, begin a, a day. And uh, we want you guys to know what we're, we're doing today. It's a little different. So over the last several weeks, we've talked about if I only had, and we filled in that blank with different things each week. And so a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Tony filled it in with time where we talked through what it was like to spend the time in our life and how we can spend that uh, the best way possible. And then last week, Pastor Mike talked about if I only had courage and what kind of difference that would make in my life if I actually had the courage to do oftentimes the things that I felt God was calling me to do. And we just saw some people show courage by going through the waters of believers' baptism. And we know there are other people in this room who are ready to take that step. And so we want to give you a chance to put that courage into practice. And so if you're here today and you go, you know what, I have followed Jesus. At some point I've surrendered my life to him, but I hadn't followed in believers' baptism. Uh, we're going to invite you to do that. And so if you want to right now, if you have the courage to do it, you can get up, walk into this hallway, and we have some staff members that are going to meet you there. But you know, We have clothes for you. We have towels for you. we got everything that you could possibly need. So if that's you, you can do it right now at some point in the service. Maybe at the end of the message, you accept Christ and you want to go ahead and follow in believer's baptism. We are ready for you right now. And so you're not going to offend anybody if you just step up right now. I would tell you this, you would a lot rather miss my message than Pastor Mike. So this would be a great day if you go home, practice that courage, and do it. So if that's you, man, we want to encourage you again to follow through with that step. So we have been walking through uh, different things. If I only had, then then I think my life would be better. So if I only had more time or if I only had more courage, and we're wrapping up our series today by looking at something that all of us want, and truth be told, something that God wants all of us to have. So we're looking at if I only had peace. If I only had peace in my life, I think most of us would agree, you know what, I would like a little more peace in my life. If you're a parent, I would bet that at some point, in the last three days, you have looked at your kids and said, I just want some peace and quiet, right? How many times I heard that growing up? I just want some peace and quiet. I just want a moment for things to be calm, for nobody to be saying anything, and just to experience a little bit of peace. And my family and I spent the majority of our weekend on the Gulf Coast doing some things with with our daughter. And let me tell you what, I, I, I became well aware of the fact that we live in a world uh, that does not lend itself toward peace. And so on the way down there, uh, it began rather frantically. My my wife is a, a not a very good passenger, and she's in here, so I'm going to choose the way I say this very carefully. But she freaks out a lot when I drive. Now, I don't think it's my driving. I think it's her passengering uh, more than it is my driving. And so it, anytime we pass somebody on the left, she is convinced that the car on the right is after us, right? They're easing over. They're coming over. So we'll get halfway by, and all of a sudden I hear, <gasps> for the first five years of our marriage, I almost killed us on a daily basis when we were in the car together. Because then I swerve. I don't know what's going on. It's, it's just bad. And, and so there's already a little bit of non-peace <laughs> going on. And then I get behind a car in the left lane. You guys know where I'm going with this, don't you? And they're going really slow. And I'm thinking, Man, if you just get over, I'll just go on by you, and we'll do things that, that we got to do. There's somewhere that we have to be. Obviously, you're just kind of hanging out. You don't have anything you have to do today. And so if you'll just ease over, then, then I'll go on by you. And I'm thinking for about a mile and a half, hey, man, you just go and ease over, right? Peace. Ooh. Goose Fraba type moments. Like, just go ahead, get over in the other lane. Everything will be all right. In about two miles, we finally get past the row of cars 
that we uh, that we're passing, and he's still hanging out in the left lane. So I ease in the right lane to pass him. And do you guys know what he did? That's how he sped up. Like he sped up as soon as I got in the other lane, and I'm thinking, no, man, you're not going to do this. And so verbally, my piece is gone on the inside, so it might as well be gone on the outside too. And so I began to fuss and argue with him a little bit, and, and <clears throat> it's not a game, right? You're not trying to win something. But at that point, when he speeds up, it turns into a challenge for a man. And I go, all right, I got you. I got you. And so I push the gas pedal a little more and then a little more, and I'm not paying attention at the speedometer. And at one point, I look down and I say, Erica, can you believe he's going 90 miles an hour? Like, what kind of guy would do it? Just get out of the way. <laughs> Just get out of the way. I slowed it down. My daughter was in the car, right? I backed off of it, and he, he went on and did the same thing to another guy in front of, front of us. It was a lot funnier when he did it the second time than when he did it with us. But look, I just want you to know, we live in a world where we want peace, but there is constant opportunity to live lives that are not peaceful. It happens over and over and over and over again. Situations that will bring about turmoil or stress or worry in your life. But we want peace. We all want several kinds of peace. We want emotional peace. Don't we? We want to know that we can deal with difficult situations like that one I was talking about, a lot better than, than I dealt with it, right? Or maybe there's a situation at home and we go, man, I just want to know that emotionally I'm ready and I can deal with those type things without losing my cool or without pushing my spouse away or without pushing my kids away. I just want to be emotionally healthy. I want the peace that comes along with that. We want financial peace. Nobody wants to sit up at night and worry about their bills and how they're going to pay them or whether or not they saved enough for retirement or what type of school that their kid wants to go to because then they're stressed about how they're actually going to pay for it. We want peace in the area of our finances. We want relational peace. Right, there are some of you guys on the way here, you're going, man, I just wish there was a little peace in our relationship, that every time we get in the car, we begin arguing. Every time we're alone together, it turns into a fight, or my kids don't listen to anything that I have to say to them. Or maybe it's a, it's a co-worker, and you're like, man, I hate going to work. Every day because I know I'm going to have to deal with fill in the blank. They're going to be there every day. They never miss. And I know I'm going to have to deal with them. And you just want some relational peace in your life. And ultimately, we all want spiritual peace. We all want to know that we're in a right standing with God and our relationship with him is okay. And that when our life is over here, that there's a God who loves us and cares for us and that, that we're in right standing with him. We want peace in those areas of our lives. But again, jot it down. We live in a world that gives us constant reasons to worry and to stress. So although we want those things, we're not necessarily in an environment where those things come naturally. We're rather in an environment where those things are the oddity and then we have all of this outside uh, uh, pressure on us and then we add something internal to it where we begin to compare our lives to everyone else's which never leads to peace right contentment leads to peace but oftentimes we especially as a society here in america we tend not to be content with the things that we have but to compare what we have to what everybody else has and so i go man I really like my car. It gets me to work and back, and then I see you pull up in something nicer than mine. I go, you know, I wish I had a car like his, though. Like, I really, I feel like I would look better in a sports car than they do, so why did they get that, and I have the Explorer, right? I need, I want, I need something better, and we begin to compare it, and then we take it to a whole other level sometimes. We go, man, if I had that family, then life would be different. 
Or if my kids behave like that, or if they were talented like that, or if my spouse treated me the way that he does or she does, then my life would be different and I would have a different type of peace in my life. But the truth is, just in doing that, you're creating turmoil in your own life. And so we have all the outside forces that push and irritate and nag at us and cause a lack of peace. And then we have the internal battle that goes on also where we're causing a lack of peace in our own life. The Bible addresses it in Matthew where Jesus said, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then listen, here's a question all of us need to ask and answer. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? It's Jesus' way of going, hey, that stuff you're worried about, the stuff that's causing turmoil and a lack of peace in your life, the worry is doing absolutely no good. Because it's not going to change it, but we all want it to change. And so what I want to do this morning is just walk through uh, four simple things that are laid out in Scripture that I believe will help each of us experience peace in my life, whatever area it is that you need that peace in. And here's the first one. Peace comes from trust. Peace comes from trust. I have relational peace in my life. At least I did until I shared that story at the beginning of the service today, and it's because I trust my wife, right? I trust her, and so there's peace in our relationship. We trust one another, and so there's peace. There's not a constant case of turmoil. I believe if she does something, it's because she wants what's best for me and for our child and for our relationship. She believes the same thing, and so there's a sense of peace that takes place in that relationship, but it's based on the fact that we have a mutual Trust for one another. In Proverbs, Scripture talks about who we should ultimate, have ultimate trust in when it says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Well, you know this, that if you're going to ultimately have any semblance of peace in your life, it will always, 100% of the time, begin with your trust in God. That's where it begins, right there. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In other words, hey, would you quit trying to figure it out yourself? Quit worrying about it. Quit staying up at night and trust in the Lord. It isn't for you to figure out. It's for him to work out. And so I'm going to trust in him, and I'm going to allow him to do what only he can do. In fact, if you look at the Bible from front to back, you'll find that there are 5,467 promises in the Bible. Now, some of those are made to specific individuals like Abraham or Isaac, and some are specific to the nation of Israel. But the majority of those are promises that were made that also apply to me and you, to people who now are following Jesus. We surrendered our life to him. We're trying to walk with him and to live life with him. And so our choice becomes this as followers of Jesus. Will we trust in the promise of God or we trust in our feelings? Because our feelings don't always tell us the truth. And there are times that you will feel like doing things that seem right, but your feelings are lying to you. And you know by truth and by promise that you shouldn't do it. And so you shouldn't do it anyway, even though your feelings are going, absolutely, man, that's going to feel really good. You should do that. There are other times where something feels really difficult or hard or challenging, and you should do it. Even though your feelings are saying, hey, you probably should just not do it. Just just don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Now, I'm not a 
a guy who is in good shape by any means, but this might surprise you. I used to be in worse shape than I am right now. And so there was a time where I knew I needed to do something, and a friend of ours, we lived at Sims at the time, a friend of a friend was opening a gym. And so a buddy goes, hey, man, you should get on, and you should, he's giving away a bunch of free stuff, and you should just get on and register and see if you win anything. And so I'm cheap like my father, and I said, I have a chance to win a free T-shirt. And so I signed up. I gave him the email address that I never checked, right? You guys have one of those? It's just like, hey, I ain't ever going to look at this. He can send whatever he wants to. So I enter my email address. I wait to see if I've won. He contacts me about a week later. He's like, hey, man, I never heard back from you. Just wanted you to know you won this T-shirt. And I thought, cool, free T-shirt, right? I'll go get it. And so I stop one day on my way out of town. I pull into his his gym. I think Erica's with me. We pull up and we walk in and we begin talking. He goes, Nathan? And I was like, uh, nope, this is Daniel, right? I have a brother that looks a lot like me. If you guys hadn't met him, he's the one that uh, for a long time met you in the parking lot, right? That was not me. I did not leave the parking lot, get here like back and forth. He looks just like me and come, come to find out this guy was a friend of his. And so we began to chat. And, and before you know, would you know it? I left not only with a free T-shirt, but a gym membership. <laughs> like most expensive T-shirt I've ever one in my life. And so we're going through the things and we're talking back and forth with one another. And then he's teaching me different things. And at some point you get a little irritated because you feel like more should be happening than is happening, right? I'm in here every day. I'm working out. I'm lifting weights. I know I look horrible doing it, but I thought the results would be worth it. And so nothing's really happening and the scale really not changing. And I remember one day talking to him and he goes, you can't trust the scale because it will lie to you. And so your body is changing. There are different things taking place, and you have muscle now that you didn't have before. And believe it or not, even though the scale says the same thing, you're different and you've made progress. I want to I want to push this into your life. I don't really want to talk to you about a scale, but I want you to know your feelings do the same thing. They'll lie to you in a heartbeat, in a hurry. You'll feel like, man, this is what I should be doing. This is where I should be going. And the Word of God is speaking directly against it. And that's where you have a choice to make as a follower, as a believer in Jesus Christ, where you go, am I going to base my decisions on my feelings, or am I going to trust in the God who created me and knows me even better than I do? In fact, write it down. If we're going to have peace, we must choose to trust the promises of God instead of our feelings. Instead of our feelings. Some of us in the room right here, you're, you're basing everything in your life on how you feel and the emotions that go along with it. And I want you to know that as long as you base your life on your emotions and your feelings, you will never have a chance to experience the peace that God wants you to live with. And so we choose to trust him over anything else, over what others say, over what others believe, over even what my own feelings tell me. I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to choose to to trust you. And so one way we get peace is choosing to trust him. Second thing is peace comes from doing our part. Peace comes from doing our part. We get the opportunity a lot as pastors, and I want you to know it is a blessing. When you guys call and you want to talk to us or you stop us in a hallway, it's a blessing for us to be able to speak into your life. And oftentimes people will share with us things that they believe God is leading them to do. And they'll say, you know what, man, I just believe God is leading me to start or he's leading me to go, or he's leading me to do, and, and you can fill in the blank for whatever that may be. Oftentimes, they'll, they'll even say, man, I believe God may be calling me into ministry. Like, I believe this is steps that he wants me to take, and he's calling me to be a full-time or part-time vocational pastor. That's what he wants me to do. And uh, of anybody on staff, I'm the least compassionate. So if you've landed in my office 
I apologize to you ahead of time, but I do think sometimes I share the truth. My question is always, what are you doing about it? Like if you believe God has called you to do something, what are you doing about it? Maybe that's knock on your neighbor's door. And, and to be honest, why aren't you talking to me? Just go knock on your neighbor's door, right? Just go see if he's at home. Invite him to come to church with you. If he's called you to do something, then go ahead and take the state steps forward to do it. But oftentimes what we do is we say, God, I'm just waiting on you, right? I'm just hanging out. I'm going to wait on you. Lord, I believe this is something you want for my life, but I'm just going to hang out and I'm going to wait. And, and Lord, you move as almost as if we want God to push us down the road or to force the door open for us where God's going, hey, would you just go knock on the door? Just go knock. And, and believe it or not, it'll probably open up. Just knock. Go ahead and do the part that you're supposed to do. Scripture is pretty straightforward with it. It says this. It says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do. In other words, God, I've heard you. This is what you've called me to do. I know what I ought to do and then not to do it. This is James going, look, hey, I want you guys to hear this. Early church, hear me out. That if you know what God wants you to do and you refuse to do it, you're living in sin. So just go ahead and do it. And put action to it. We trust God enough to put action to the things that he's called us to do. And then Colossians 3.23 became a life verse of mine the first time that I took biology in college. I don't know if you guys sit through biology in college. Maybe, maybe you loved it. It was a challenge for me. I would sit uh, on the, the right side toward the back of the room. And to be honest, I would write out ministry plans and sermons as, as the teacher was teaching. And it became evident quickly that me and her did not agree about a lot of stuff. And so my challenge was I can argue with her every day. Or to me, I can just come in here and do something productive. And so I pretty much would read at home, come into the class, check that I was there and then then do whatever. And one day I was reading through Colossians and I came across this verse and God convicted me about something as simple as the way I was working out my, my time in a biology class where he says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. He was saying again, look, I want you to live out your faith. And part of that is simply by you doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. I want you guys to know that a lot of us right now, we don't have peace in our life, and we sense that God has called us to something. I want you to know I've been in your shoes too, where you know God is moving you to do something. There was a period of six weeks where I don't believe I slept at all because I knew God wanted me to do something, and to be honest, I just did not want to do it. And so I lay awake in bed most every night thinking through and processing what I felt God was calling me to do, and not once did I have peace until I finally said, okay, all right. If that's the way it is, I will do whatever you want me to do. And I don't see how it's going to work out, and I don't see how it's going to end well, but I'm going to choose to trust you enough, not just to say I trust you with my words, but I'm going to put actions behind the trust that that I have for you. So peace comes from trust. It also comes from us doing our part. In fact, jot it down, acting as if anything. Acting as if anything. Look, we do our part, but it's not totally dependent on us. So acting as if anything is totally dependent on you will only lead to turmoil. So we go from one extreme to the other. God, I'm waiting on you to, God, I'm going to do it all myself. Right? I got it figured out. I'm going to do everything that I can possibly do, and I'm going to get this done, and I'm going to finish whatever it is that I believe you want to do in my life. And that leads us to the third thing that leads to peace in our life, and that's peace comes from trusting God to do the rest. And so we're going to do our part. I'm going to say, Lord, I trust you 
I'm going to trust you enough to actually put some actions to the things that you've called me to do in my life. But when it comes down to it, I'm going to trust you to do the rest. The Bible puts it this way. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then, check it out, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Did you see that? And then you will experience God's peace. Where does it start? It starts with me going, you know what, I'm not going to worry about this. But I'm going to pray to God about it. And here's why. Because you serve a God who can accomplish anything. You serve a God who can accomplish anything. You may have a huge thing going on in your life right now. And you think, I really don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know if I can accomplish this. I can't see any way that it's going to end well. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, my family has fallen to pieces. And I don't see any way for it to ever come back together again. I would remind you this morning that you serve a God who says that with him nothing is impossible. Nothing. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, my kids have just gone off the rails. They don't want to live for God anymore. They're doing their own thing. They're not doing anything that we raised them to do. And I don't know how this is going to turn out. I would remind you again that you serve a God who has said that there is absolutely nothing impossible with him. And and here's what he says exactly. He says this in Scripture. He says, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. In other words, there are things you can't do. But with God, all things are possible. You're right, you can't do it, but he can. With God, all things are possible. I have a a buddy in Las Vegas that planted a church, and he puts it this way, that Jesus always wins. That Jesus wins. So you go to the doctor and you get a diagnosis that you don't want. There are two results, right? One, it could end in your life. Two, you could get healed. He goes, you get healed and you walk around, you're a walking testimony for Jesus. Guess what? He wins. He wins. He goes, maybe he chooses not to heal you the way that you want him to. And your life ends and you step into eternity with Jesus. Guess what? (laughs) He still wins. Either way, he wins. Maybe you got this huge financial problem that you walked in here today with and you don't see any way out. Maybe God in a miracle blesses you with finances that you didn't see any way that you were going to get, and you're able to start fresh and new, and you go, man, that's amazing. You get to tell other people, let me tell you what God did, and you win. Maybe you know what? Maybe he doesn't come through the way you want him to, but you get to start fresh from scratch. Guess what? (laughs) Jesus wins. I've read the Bible front to back multiple times, and when I get to the end, it's always the same. Hadn't changed. He always wins. He wins, and regardless of whatever is going on in your life, I want to remind you that there is nothing impossible for him. And regardless of how he chooses to answer your prayer, you're going to win. You're going to win because Jesus is going to win. Jot this down, if you will. Skip back up. Prayer is this. It's an invitation for God to intervene in your circumstances. It's you admitting, Lord, I really don't know how I can figure this out, but but I trust you enough to know that you can, and so I'm doing my part, and I'm trusting you to do yours. Peace comes from allowing God to do only what God can do, and then ultimately, peace always comes from surrendering. Peace will always come from surrender. This sounds counterproductive, doesn't it? I grew up with two brothers, and for fun, we would do something in the middle of the living room, and if you had brothers, you may, you may have grown up doing the same thing. We would wrestle. 
right? Anybody, this is what we did for fun, right? I thought we grew up in the middle of nowhere. There wasn't a whole lot to do. And so you'd look at your brother and you'd go, you want to wrestle or wrestle? You want to? Come on, let's do it. And then you would start. The process would begin. It generally started however you want it to. One would grab the other and one would throw the other in the floor and you would begin to roll around. It was all fun and games and then it wasn't, right? If, you, if you've experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. Eventually, the wrestling match turns into a fight. And so now you're in the floor and things aren't going so well. Maybe you're the guy winning. Maybe you're the guy losing. I, I can relate more to the guy who is losing. And so you're there and eventually at some point, it doesn't end until somebody gives up to somebody surrenders. Now, how that happened every time was different, right? There could be you break apart from one another and one of you push to the other end of the room. You go, hey, I give up, right? I surrender. You throw your hands in there. I quit. I surrender. I don't want to do this anymore. What you're saying is, is I realize that I can't defeat you. Like, you got me. There's nothing that I can do right now to win. Sometimes it ended with their arm around your throat, right? You can't do anything but slap the floor. And that, that too became a sign of surrender. I'm out, man. Just quit. Let me live. It's all over. But it's you going, hey, you know what? Regardless of what I do in this situation, there's no possible way for me to win. And I'm dependent on your mercy. Because when we surrender to God, we're saying the same thing. We're saying, Lord, you know what? I've tried it. Man, I've worked hard at it, and there's absolutely nothing else that I can do. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to surrender, and I'm going to throw myself on your mercy, and I'm going to trust in you. It's I give up, I quit, I surrender, I can't fight it anymore, and I'm totally dependent on you and who you are and your character. This is what we do when we worship, isn't it? I know sometimes we worship. You may look around the room. It may be odd to you. You may see people doing some strange stuff. Maybe maybe somebody has their hands open like this, right? Or, or maybe there's somebody with their hand in the air, and you're thinking, hey, we, they got a question, right? Y'all stop service. See what it is. There must be something wrong over here. And so you guys check on them, see, see what's going on. On occasion, you will see someone give the international sign for surrender, which is this, right? Both hands are in the air, and the person is saying, Lord, you know what? I surrender to you. Right, You're here, your power is here, your presence is here, and I'm choosing to, to say to you and to remind myself that I'm surrendering to you. And God, would you do what only it is that you can do? Paul put it this way in Galatians where he talks about surrendering his life. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And so I live in this earthly body, trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hey, you only crucify someone for one reason, and that's to kill them. Paul is saying, look, I've, choose, I've chosen to crucify myself. In other words, I've surrendered my life completely, even to the point of death. And now the life that I live every day is simply Jesus choosing to live through me. It's a moment where he said, Lord, you know what? I surrender everything I have and everything that I do to you. And now I'm totally dependent on you. God, you live through me. You do whatever it is that you want to do. For That, that moment for me came at 17. At the age of 17, I found myself struggling to figure out what God wanted from me and what his plans for my life were. And there's a lot of stuff, just a lot of turmoil, a lot of reason to stay up at night, trying to figure things out, some health issues, a lot of other stuff just happening. And one night I found myself alone in my home and I knelt down at the edge of my bed and I said, God, I don't know what you've been doing for the last two or three years. I have no idea what you want from me, but whatever it is you want from me, here I am. Do whatever you want to. Just do it. 
Several weeks later, my pastor asked me to, to give a testimony during a church service, and I thought, man, you just messed up, right? I'm about to create a mess that you cannot clean, but it's going to be fun. And so I did. I gave a testimony about what God had been doing in my life, and through that process and through the advice of my pastor, I began to see how God had been shaping me. Listen, not just for a few months, but for years. He had been shaping and calling me to something very specific with my life. But I want you to know, I didn't know what that was until the night I said, Lord, I give up. I quit. Right? I've been trying to figure this out. I've been trying to live on my own. It ain't working too well. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not strong enough. But you are. And so I surrender to you. And whatever you want to do with my life is fine with me. It's fine with me. It's a moment of surrender. And with surrender comes peace. With surrender comes peace. Realizing that I no longer have to be the one that's in control. The one who's in charge. The one who's always making the decisions. The one who's having to guarantee that everything is worked out and perfect. When I give that up and I allow God to take the throne away from me, there is a great peace that is found in your heart and in your life. There was a guy by the name of Horatio Spafford who was a successful attorney and businessman in Chicago in, in the late 1800s. And at one point, he wrote a letter to a friend of his, and the letter had a line in it that said, I feel like I'm on top of the world. In other words, everything is going perfect for me. And Horatio had a law degree, and so he practiced law, but he also had made uh, quite a few real estate investments in the area of Chicago that had turned out really well. And so he was doing super well financially. And I'm sure everyone from the outside looking in that looked at his life thought the same thing that he wrote, that, man, he is on top of the world, right? He's got it figured out. This is, man, his life is going so good. He had a great business. He had great wealth. He had a wife who adored him, and he had four daughters that were growing into maturity. And then one night, a farm animal changed all of that. So a cow kicked over a lantern in a barn in Chicago. And if you're familiar with history, you know that it started the great Chicago fire that burned down a large majority of the city of Chicago. Well, a lot of what was burned was also Horatio Spafford's stuff. And so the things that he had staked and built his wealth on all of a sudden were disappearing. He wrote the same friend, and he said, All I have left is my diploma hanging on the wall. He had a wife. He had four kids. And he had a sheet of paper that really wasn't doing anything for him in life right now. And it hit him pretty hard. He went into a slight case of depression, but it hit his wife even harder. And she went into a deep depression. And one day Spafford took her to the doctor, and the doctor said, What your wife needs is an extended vacation. <laughs> You guys are thinking, is that doctor still around, right? I'm going to go check him out today. Just take her on an extended vacation. And so he did. He planned a vacation to Europe. And they were going to spend several weeks over there. They spent a couple weeks traveling, a couple weeks coming back, and then the amount of time that it was going to take just to go to several places. But right before they were about to leave, Horatio Spafford got a call, and there was some business that, that he had to deal with. And so he told his family, he said, hey, what I want you guys to do is I want you all to go, go ahead Right, begin the vacation, and when I get done handling the business, I'm going to catch up to you. And so go ahead, get on the boat, begin to sail over, and that's what they do. They get on the boat, they begin to head to England, and somewhere along the way, their ship drifts into the path of a ship from England. They're both running full speed. They collide, and in a matter of 12 minutes, 263 people have lost their life. 
for seven days, Horatio Spafford is waiting to hear word of whether or not his family is alive or dead. And on the seventh day, his wife sends him a telegram that, that simply says, saved alone. And in that moment, Horatio Spafford knew that all four of his daughters had drowned in the ocean, and he spared no time. He got on a boat and began to head over to console his wife. And one day, they're about halfway there, and he's out on the deck, and the captain walks over to him and says, Mr. Spafford, we're right now passing the place where your four daughters are at rest. And Spafford says, instead of becoming emotional, he was overwhelmed by a sense of peace. And he began to think about the words of his good friend D.L. Moody, who had said once that one day you'll read in the paper that D.L. Moody is dead. Don't believe it. I'll be more alive in that moment than I am right now. Right? In other words, there's something else for me. And Horatio Spafford understood more than he ever had that there was something else. And he knew that his daughters were in the presence of Jesus. And he knew that regardless of whether it was good or whether it was bad, that Jesus had won. And a sense of calm and peace, he says, came over him and a poem popped in his head. And he ran to his room and he grabbed a notepad and he began to write down the words that were in his head as he passed by where his four daughters lay at rest. And he jotted down these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well It is well with my soul. That's the type of peace that transcends all understanding. And look, that isn't just the type of peace that God has designed for a guy going across the ocean. That's the type of peace that God desires for his children to live with every single day that we can say, Lord, I know you're in charge. And I know regardless, this is going to end well for me because I'm walking with you. And so whatever happens in my life, I'm able to say, Lord, here it is. It's well. It's well with my soul because in the end, Lord, I know that you win. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for who you are. God, I think for the way that you love us and for the way that you care with us, you care for us, the way you provide for us. God, I thank you that your word is true and that in the end, Lord, you win regardless of what the world throws at us or regardless of the situations that we have to walk through. We can live with peace because we know that you love us and that you're in control. And Lord, even if this life ends here, our eternity begins with you. Because if you would, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want you to think through a couple of next steps as we wrap up today. The first one is this, is if you leave doing nothing else, I would encourage you to leave doing this. To begin trusting the promises of God more than your feelings. That today you would say, Lord, you know what, from this moment on, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to trust your commands and I'm going to trust your promises. And I'm not going to base my life on the way that I feel, but I'm going to base my life on your truth and my relationship with you. Maybe you just need to begin doing the things that bring about peace. Maybe you know some of the things that God has called you to do and what you need to do today is to walk out of here and just trust Him enough to start living them out. Just say, Lord, you know what? For years or for months or for days, I've sensed you calling me to do this. And so I'm just going to trust you enough to do it. 
And you begin taking the steps necessary to live with peace. Or maybe the decision for you today is taking the first step. It's you saying, Lord Jesus, you know what? Man, I have tried this. I'm sitting in this chair this morning. I've been trying to do things my way without you, and it is not working. And today you simply just need to say, hey, I'm surrendering my life to you. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. You don't have to say this out loud or to your neighbor. It's just you and God. Say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I need you. I believe that you died for me, that you rose again. And today I give up and I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. And with every head bowed and eye closed, if that was you, we just want to we want to celebrate with you and give you some next steps. So would you have the courage to just lift your hand in the air this morning if you said that prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I see you over there. Anyone else who would say, Lord Jesus, today I need you. I see you over here. Anyone else? I see you. Hands all over the room. Lord, we love you. Thank you for changing life. Hey, if that was you, if you made that decision, would you, would you just look at me real quick? Just make eye contact. Every other head is bowed, every eye is closed. Hey, congratulations. You just made the best decision of your life. And you choosing to say, Lord, I need you, I surrender, is going to bring about ultimate freedom in you. Would you do one thing for me? There's a, there's a card in the seat back in front of you. We don't want to harass you. We want to celebrate with you. And we want to help you as you begin this journey with Jesus. Could you jot it on there? And then if you would, bring it to the VIP room in the back. We have some guys that just want to pray with you. They want to encourage you. And listen, if you just made that decision, your next step is clear. The Bible says that we follow Jesus through baptism. That it's a sign that, that we're saying, again, Lord, I surrender. And I'm giving you my life. And I want everyone else to know it too. And if you want to take care of that today, again, we're ready for you. That, that in just a moment, I'm going to say amen. You can get up. You can walk out these side doors. In just a moment, we will celebrate the life change that just happened inside of you. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for who you are, God. I think for those who had the courage this morning to raise their hand and say, you know what, it ain't working. Just I need you. God, I pray for every other person in this room. Lord, we have a tendency as people who have surrendered to get up and start fighting again. And God, it doesn't work any better the second time. So would you help us to again put it all in your hands and allow you to be God. God, give us the courage to follow through with what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.